Okay, so today we're speaking with Jusko Kelez, the co-founder and CEO of Happy. Happy is a stocks and crypto trading app for the Latin American market. They're currently in 15 countries and have a mention of democratizing investing for consumers in Latin America. Pretty cool idea. It's awesome to have you on the program. And and I think a great place to start would be just talking about how the company originally began. Right. Um, so, well, I started Happy because, you know, I wanted to, uh, I was obsessed with Tesla stocks uh, and the broker I was working with because I've been, you know, trading stocks for, I don't know, 10 years now or so. Uh, and my experience with regular brokers was really bad. Uh, so in, in most of Latam countries, you only find uh, regular traditional stock brokers that you have to trade by phone or, well, now email, you know, or WhatsApp, but soup ideal solutions. So, well, I was obsessed with, with Tesla, so following the stock and, and it wasn't provided by my broker. So I, of course, started looking to these uh, new brokers, uh, aka Robinhood. And I realized that I couldn't open an, a, an account. Um, I thought that this was just because I was Peruvian and, you know, they might support some other international countries or something. Uh, but back then, I used to be the COO of Green Scooters, this micromobility company like Bird or Lime, but the biggest player in Latin America. So I used to travel. I managed 22 cities, 2,100 people. So, so I used to travel a lot through LATAM. And I realized that the same thing was happening not only in Peru, but, you know, in Mexico, Colombia, Argentina, basically everywhere. Um, so, you know, I didn't wanted to wait, let's say, you know, 10 years for these corporations in the U.S. to think that Latam, it's now uh, an attractive market and come here. Uh, I rather, you know, started uh, looking into it and, and why nobody had done this before and, and started, you know, uh, pursuing and the more you know I, I learned about the more I wanted to do this and eventually you know for me it was just uh, the path I have to follow so what were those early days like right so you know the first thing I wanted to understand was the uh, the regulatory landscape you know so uh, and my wife is a lawyer so you know of course she, she was very keen for me to solve that that lawyer part of it uh, because she didn't want me to get into too much trouble. So anyway, uh, I reached to her firm, uh, which is, you know, one of the top uh, legal firms here in Peru. I started working with them to understand, you know, how was the regulation in Peru, if they couldn't help me with regulation internationally. I then, you know, I jumped and reached, you know, one of the biggest firms in the U.S., uh, you know, for, for some advice as well. But they sent me a proposal and the fees were, you know, out of my reach. Uh, we, I was bootstrapping, you know, of course. And, and yeah, um, it wasn't a solution. But then, you know, something struck me and it was that uh, some brokers in the U.S. Uh, did serve customers from Latin America. But the difference is that they usually serve uh, people that have, you know, a certain wealth. Uh, so, you know, if you reach certain... A net worth, you probably have a financial advisor and have, you know, or, or even, you know, a family office that manages your money. And you usually open a brokerage account in one of these very big traditional firms that now, you know, they have apps and everything and, and zero commission. But that struck me because, you know, 
there was a way uh, to be a U.S. broker dealer and to serve customers from Latin America. So that's, you know, what, what came across us and, and that, what, you know, I just needed to confirm if that was a plausible way and something that, you know, we could move forward with. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's the way we, we decided to go. So basically, Happy is a stock trading app that it's located in the U.S. We're a U.S.-based firm. But that, that serves clients from from that are residents from countries in Latin America. So our consumers are from Latin mainly. Uh, we can also, of course, receive uh, Americans. Uh, but yeah, uh, the difference is that you know we started doing all our business flows uh, specifically to serve uh, and and make it easier for the people that live abroad. Right. Okay, that makes sense. Can you talk about the regulatory landscape as well? and how that impacted building the business? Right. So, you know, we had some benchmarks uh, internationally about how, uh, you know, there's these companies that now they're worth several billion dollars. And, you know, of course, they have uh, very big teams of developers and they have uh, done a lot of A-B testing. So I think that, you know, the first thing is to go straight to the market leader and, you know, use that as a benchmark for, for launching a new product. It wasn't our case right away because, of course, you know, we had some regulatory constraints. So, uh, first of all, you know, I, I mentioned that we're about to be a, a U.S. broker dealer in the U.S., but until this point, we have been working with a, a partnership with a broker dealer that provides a license. So, of course, you know, the whole onboarding experience, the whole uh, funding of the accounts and everything, it's suited uh, or, or built on top of the process that this uh, firm already had. So we didn't have much control or we couldn't change much about it. But, you know, if we go one step even uh, back, um, you know, we started with a very, very manual uh, 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 product. Uh, this was, you know, we created a front, basically, where you would, you know, register yourself. Uh, and we would turn around and register you on a different broker dealer. Uh, and every time, you know, you would do a trade, we would receive it manually and then we would manually put it in that broker dealer and so on. So we were basically just a front, you know, because we wanted to understand if there was interest and, you know, if this is something that people felt related, that it was a problem that needed solving. Plus, you know, we needed to show something to uh, investors, you know, because it's something to go out there uh, with a clean sheet or with a presentation and say like, hey, this is what I want to build. Uh, and and it's, you know, if you want to take it a, a step further, then you do a front and you can figure out things on the back and do it super manually. But it's, but, you know, at least it looks very clean and nice on the front. So that's what we did. So we did a very nice uh, front that, you know, users digged and, and wanted to use. Uh, and, and that was the start, right? So when you asked about the first version, I guess that was the one. Uh, and then, yeah, we have to iterate and we had some complexity in the middle, which is the one that we're facing right now because, you know, we have these processes established by the broker dealer that we're using on the back. Uh, and now that we will be switching towards our own broker dealer license, then we will get much more control over the whole process and and thus we'll be able to finally after you know year and a half or so be able to provide the experience to our users that we want to 
Yeah, that's amazing. Um, one one other thing I wanted to touch on was for people that might not be as familiar with finance, could you touch on the broker-dealer relationship? Obviously, I know you can't go into too much detail with with your own setup, but yeah, just touching on it broadly, if you could explain how the how all the moving parts work, that'd be great. Right. So basically, uh, when you want to trade stocks in a, in a stock market, uh, you can only do so if you're a registered company. Uh, so, you know, or do so through a, a company that has a license. Uh, only licensed uh, organizations can uh, execute transactions through a, 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 stock, a, a stock exchange. Uh, so anyway, that, you know, you can either go with a third party that provides a license to you. But of course, you know, the more parties involved on the back, uh, then, you know, any income that comes related or any revenues related to it will fade away until it gets to you. Uh, the more that you integrate into your platform, uh, it's, it, you know, you control more of the process and thus you can, you know, uh, suit better where are your your revenues and so on so basically you know uh, in simple if you want to trade stocks in the stock market you need a broker dealer license or you need to uh, trade stocks through a registered broker dealer um in and, and this is the same you know basically in every country in the world uh, so for companies to offer securities they need to be uh, either you know financial advisors or broker dealers um, so that's that's that. So for someone who's interested in actually getting involved in the space, what kind of skill set do you think they would need or domain expertise? Or is it possible to just kind of learn learn everything on the job? Yeah, I think that, you know, anything you can learn on, on the job. Uh, but the thing is about the, the pace of that learning, right? Uh, so of course... This isn't my first rodeo. I have been, you know, doing startups for for some time now. I think this is the the seventh startup that I've been either, you know, a founder or a part of the management team. So, you know, some basics about, you know, creating a company, running the finance, uh, running a team, and and all of that, you know, it's it's stuff that I didn't have to learn again. I I already knew in some sense. Of course, you always learn new stuff, but you know, the basics I, I did the new already. So for me, it was more about finding a way to execute the vision I had about the product. Uh, and, and that is something that any industry that you're breaking ground, you will have to overcome, right? Uh, if that is, you know, let's say uh, uh, constructing a building, you know, there's permits, there's you know, the whole architecture, the whole engineering and so on. So it's it's the same for a fintech, you know, you have to understand the regulation, see, you know, what you can and cannot do, what you can and cannot say, depending on the market you're addressing and how, and in building the product, so how are all the mechanics going to work? Uh, and from a technical perspective, an engineering perspective, how are you going to build those and, and uh, in, in a cost-effective way? So, in our case, yes, we bootstrap it at first. Uh, but the good thing is that you know I brought all the uh, business part, if you will, you know, or all the financial models, presentations of the company, and all the commercial aspect, and, and dealing with with corporate investors and so on. And my co-founders, Piero and Billy, they are uh, software engineers. 
so they could, you know, um, uh, do all the coding and, and, and the product itself. Uh, and of course, I, I was very involved in the product development, uh, but they are the ones that had those skills to make that vision into reality. And that way we could bootstrap. It wasn't that, you know, we were investing too much money. Mm-hmm. Rather, we were investing our time. Right. I mean, you have quite a bit of experience in the startup space and working for tech companies. Um, what has kind of helped you the most from that previous experience? Like, is it easier or is it still just as difficult? Right. So, yeah, I think that, you know, of course, that, that I had that head start that I had the experience about uh, being in a, in a startup before and having to see, you know, the different stages that the startup has to go through. Um, I remember, you know, and I was reflecting about this uh, some days ago with some friends. Uh, the, the first startup I did, I didn't even knew, you know, what a, a, a term sheet or a safe note or any. I, I don't even think safe notes existed back then. Uh, YC wasn't really an international thing. Uh, they were just starting. This was, you know, back in 2010 or something. So I think that now the path towards uh, building a startup, it's much more understood and well known uh, so uh, the way i see it is that you should you know try to move as far as you can you know bootstrapping and and creating something that uh, has some value but as soon as you feel that you can you know uh, start pitching your business and raising money then you probably should and you know more than taking my word for it i think that you know um a place like yc uh, that presents so many resources. They have a public library with so many essays from from Paul Graham and and from some of the other you know great uh, ex founders or or mentors for startups. So you know just having that website with all those videos and all that material there. Plus they have you know startup school and all this. I think it's it's a way to go. Uh, and you know in that sense. I think even applying to YC and the whole application, the form that they ask you to complete, it's a very uh, a, a complete uh, work that you have to do in order to understand uh, how your business is going to look like, what the, what competitive advantages it's going to have, and so on. Uh, in our case, yeah, I mean, I already knew about YC and I knew some founders that had gone there Green Scooters, a company I used to work that uh, was a YC uh, uh, company. So, so yeah, for me, you know, it was I want to do that. I want to be there, and and of course, learn from from the best place there is, you know, in the world. So, so I I really felt it as a stepping stone. Plus, you know, they gave you money, and that money, you know, uh, would take us much more further. Uh, plus, you know, once you're graduated from YC, then you're kind of hot commodity uh, among investors. So, yeah, for us, you know, I think that the, that catalyst uh, of getting accepted and, and doing the YC program was very important for, you know, moving faster, um, 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 yeah, having the product move faster and, and achieving all these milestones faster. Uh, but I, I have to give, you know, here some credit to my previous uh, bosses in, in Green. So Green Scooters was the fastest uh, growing micromobility company in the world for some time. 
And, you know, they had this vision about being super bold and, and bullish about what you're doing. And here, you know, usually you tend to think that once you get money from investors, you, you know, you, you start planning how long you have and, you know, trying to be as responsible as you can with that money for, for as, as long as you can. But, you know, as uh, an essay for Paul, from Paul Graham says, a, a startup equals growth. So, you know, you rather test everything in a short amount of, of time and spend that money faster, you know, to, to get to a point where, you know, either it's going to be a success or not. And if you're going to get that growth or not, rather than, you know, be this lame company that it's going to be around for five years until it dies, you know? So startups yeah. are, are binary anyway. So they, they, they either are a success or they're a failure. Uh, most of them fail. So you, if, if it's going to fail, why not fail fast, right? Uh, rather than wait five years around and, you know, spend all this time, sweat and tears for something that at the end it's going to get to, to that same uh, conclusion. So my advice there is, you know, be aggressive, look what, what, of course, be responsible, but aggressively in what milestones you need to achieve and and this for me has been you know a very a appealing in the sense that you know you have to set straight goals about growth and if you need to spend a little bit more money uh, to get there even you know if that will uh, shorten your runway then be it you know it's how much trust you have on the business that you're building and of course not uh, fooling yourself right because you could you know do este paid media and get tons of users or whatever that's not a smart way you need to do it you know thinking about creating value and if you do create value then you know investors will be interested and they will give you more money and so on so you know you're trying to make that a virtual cycle that you know more users more value more spending of money and then more money will come uh, until certain point where you know you need to strap and and you need to start thinking about efficiency, but at least for the first uh, sprints, you know you should think about growth no matter uh, the cost. That's awesome, man. Okay, well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We're at time. Um, you've got meetings to go to, but again, a huge thank you. I uh, really appreciate it. No, thank you, Cassius, for for the invite. Very happy to be chatting with you and and telling these stories to, to all your listeners.